anybody who doesn't think a dog has a soul has not looked in their eyes long enough. Hi, dog lovers. Thank you for coming back to Rescued by a Dog, the podcast about dogs who have actually saved their owners' lives. I'm Laura, and today you're going to hear two stories. First, Wendell will tell us how his gorgeous pit bull Sadie helped him survive a difficult period where he found himself living in his van. And then Marlena will tell us how Trixie and Homer taught her to have compassion for herself when a series of devastating losses had led her to lose control of her life. Today's episode is sponsored by New Zealand's Nature Film, which creates and curates gorgeous documentary content inspired by the real world, from presenter-led survival and lifestyle series to high-end blue-chip natural history. Check them out at naturefilm.nz, or as they would say, NZ. Now let's hear Wendell's heartwarming story. Hello? Hello. Hi, Wendell. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for talking to me. Absolutely. Why don't you tell me the name of your dog and how you found her? Okay. Her name is Sadie. She's a um, pit and um, American bulldog mix. And actually, she was a surprise birthday gift uh, two years ago from uh, a buddy of mine. She's a um, red-nosed pit, was the, is the mother, and the father was a uh, American bulldog. She's uh, like a, a tan and white. And he and my our other buddy brought her in, and it was all I could do to hold it together and not just lose it. Because <laughs> I've had a dog all my life up until the last few years. The last one I had was a Dalmatian that was quite a few years ago. And the the day that I that I got him, I picked him up. And he was tiny. I put him up on my on my shoulder, and he put his nose like right underneath my chin. And Sadie, when I picked her up for the first time, she did the same thing. She knew she was yours. Well, I, 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 we don't belong. They don't belong to us. We belong to them. We were about to be evicted from our apartment. Um, basically, the apartment we were living in um, used to be the resident manager's apartment back when the place was built. And out of the blue, they decided that they wanted a resident manager again. So they gave us 30 days and we had to go. And I actually, I had just, I'd just gotten her um, about a month before that. And had it not been for her, it was, it would have been a whole lot worse. While we were, were homeless for a few months, um, we had her out with us, and we were um, basically we were kind of like bouncing from like Walmart to Walmart, you know, while we were apartment hunting. And um, we'd go out in the evening and go like, you know, um, recharge our phones. And we'd have her sitting out there with us and people would walk by and they would just, you know, she was the, she's an attention hog and she gets all kinds of attention. And, but without her, you know, we wouldn't have made it. Were you, where were you sleeping at night during that time? In her, um, I have a van. Yeah. She was in there with us to me and my buddy. We called ourselves temporary refugees. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the, the most time I really needed her because I mean, she's just, you know, a dog is just unconditional love, no matter what's going on in your life, you know, period. That's just the way they are. And, and it's, especially with pit bulls, but they have such a ridiculous reputation. You know, they carry off babies and their, their jaws lock. And it, no, no, they don't. <laughs> we, we experienced, we got a lot of blessings while we were out there and it was a lot of it was because of her, because we oh. had her. 
I mean, people just walk by and, well, we didn't have to buy dog food for her for a couple of months because people would come out and, oh, here, this is for her. You know, get her this and get her that. And <laughs> so, and oh. then we would tell, tell our story about, you know, why we were sitting out there. And, and we just, we, it, it, it changed my perspective on a lot of things, put it that way. What did it change your perspective on? That there's still decent people left out there. If she hadn't I, been with you, how do you think those people, how do you, would have those interactions been, been different? It would have been a lot less interactions with anybody, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they see a dog, oh, they got to pet the dog, you know. Well, why are you guys sitting out here? And we tell them why, this is what's going on. And so, and I, I'm convinced that without her sitting there, probably 99% of the people that, that walked by us would have just kept right on walking. Yeah. What was the nicest thing that someone did for you or gave to you during that time? Uh, well, we were sitting out there one night and a guy came out and we got talking and it turned out he was a, a veteran. And we got talking about that. I'm, I'm not, but I people ask me that all the time. But um, he, anyway, it's long, long story short, he went into Walmart and he, he came out with probably at least $100 worth of you know, food, toys, um water jugs, uh, food bowls, a oh. bed. Yeah. It, yeah. Was it all for the dog or some of it for you too? It was both. It was, you know, munchies and stuff for us too, but it was mostly for her. When we were in the van, we'd have like, you know, like the little takeout, little styrofoam boxes of, of food, like, like in the corner, just on the shelf, sitting in the corner. She never touched it. Almost sounds like she was like a guardian angel at that time. Oh, I don't doubt that a bit. Basically, it's, it gave me something or somebody to be responsible for, you know, other than myself. My best friend I've known since I was 15 years old, um, when I could not find parts for my van anywhere, I've been to several junkyards, could not find parts anywhere, so we basically just got you know, rid of it, and he said, come on, we're going up to my house, and that's where we're at now, so... But I actually, I recently um, just sold off a bunch of my um, music memorabilia. Um, I was in the music industry for a long, long time. Uh, I did everything from um, audio engineer to uh, merch to um, dabbled in lights a little bit. But um, the closest I ever got to being starstruck was when I met um, Willie Nelson. I worked at House of Blues down in, in Myrtle Beach. He was he was really cool. He came in the back door and he, he took the time to, to stop and speak to everybody on our stage crew before he went to his dressing room or did whatever he did. and But he took the time to say hello to everybody. And I, that was a class act in my book. Um, that, well, that's that cool. So you sold off some memorabilia? Mm-hmm. And so I've got that in the bank now. So we're we're new vehicle shopping now. And then, you know, it's one thing at a time. Go back home and get a new, get a new apartment and start again. <laughs> Um, when, when you moved into a house, was she happy or was she just like no difference to her as long as she's with you? This didn't seem like it phased her a bit. And my buddy's got 20 acres of land out here, so she can run around whenever she feels like it. I have a bowl of soup in front of me. She's trying to get it. It's mine, young lady. But anyway, um, that deer in the, in the uh, woods near here and she's, she's already spotted them and tried to chase one of them. <laughs> we had to go track her down. But she has, she, <laughs> and I shouldn't tell this on her, but I'm going to, she, um, she has uh, something against Walmart for some reason. There's four, four different Walmarts that she's stopped and done her thing in. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
And that, that gets looked at kind of funny, you know. <laughs> you know, maybe that's a sign of love instead of hatred. Maybe she's like trying to mark her territory because she loves the Walmart. Oh, oh, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. That works. First time I gave her a coconut, she just, she went nuts. She just, she just went crazy with it, running around. And it took her a while to figure out how to pick it up. It's one of the little, not a great big one, but those little small, little fuzzy ones. Yeah, it takes about about a week or so of her gnawing on it to, to finally crack it open. Did she like the, the stuff inside? Oh, loves it. Absolutely loves it. Anywhere I go, she goes. If she can't go there, then I don't go there. She knows when you're having a bad day. And I could be stretched out all day on the couch or, or at the time in the van. And she would just walk over and, and, and just come right up and like nose to nose and just look at me. And and you could you could just tell you know she knew that I was having a bad day just the way she would look at me would just would just the mood would change instantly. What do you think she's trying to say to you in those moments? Tighten up. <laughs> Tighten up. We got this. Anybody who doesn't think a dog has a soul has not looked in their eyes long enough. Uh, she's my heart and soul. There's no other way to put it. She's my heart and soul. Hello again, friends. Now we are going to hear from Marlena. Okay, hi. Hi. It's Marlene, right? It's Marlena, actually. Marlena. So, uh, yeah, I like to shake things up. Yeah, so. it's so nice to meet you. We are here to talk about a couple of your dogs. Uh, why don't you first just tell me their names and what, what do they look like? So, the first one is Trixie, um, and she was a... Uh, Corgi, Chihuahua, I don't even know quite what. Um, and I called her a Franken dog because she was like, you know, Corgi body, Chihuahua head, long legs, curly tail, nothing quite fit. Trixie was orange and white, very traditional kind of Corgi color, about 20 pounds. Uh, it went up and down a bit, um, much like myself. And Homer is a, um, a Chihuahua and not really sure a hundred percent. Um, also 20 pounds, currently 25 again, you know, up and down. Um, and he's kind of a beige buff color looks like a pug with a snout. Um, I always joke rather crassly that it was like somebody stuck a straw up his butt and blew him his snout out. <laughs> um, and he has real tall ears and, you know, looks a little bit insane, which I love. Um, so I had a gastric bypass in 2004 and it was kind of a new beginning, if you will. And then I got a new apartment and I moved into it and I hadn't had a dog in a while and I missed that dog love. And so I reached out to a local shelter named Friends of Cats and Dogs and you know, in my mind, I kind of requested the unicorn of all dogs because I wanted it to be small and quiet and be good with other dogs and cats and not, you know, not be annoying and, you know, eight million things. And, you know, two, two days later, maybe they sent me back these pictures of this dog and I looked at it and I'm I feel terrible saying this out loud to anyone but my first thought was like oh she's not pretty enough I don't know I kind of <laughs> want a prettier dog she was just so odd looking 
But then I kept getting kind of haunted by that picture and I'd go back and look at her. And then all of a sudden I was like anthropomorphizing her and turning her into a diner waitress named Trixie who had like kind of snaggly teeth and said things like, did you want that sweet or unsweet sugar? And then it was like, well, shit, now I got to meet this dog. Like I got to know her. She at the time was five, the best they knew. Um, so her background was that she was about to be euthanized, um, at a shelter, at a kill shelter. And so because she had a chihuahua head, they got, they called out a chihuahua rescue. Um, but they got friends of cats and dogs went and got her. And so I let them know I needed to meet her. And she was a funny one. She, uh, the couple that was, uh, fostering her brought her to my house and she walked through the door and, um, her name was, uh, Pie. And, you know, I called her over and she started licking me as if we were old pals and she hadn't seen me in years. And I was, it was just like, it was love. It was just love. What I didn't know at the time is that she actually had an OCD licking problem. So it turns out I wasn't that special in that moment. However, we became very special to each other. So um, when I got her, like I said, I was sort of at this really wonderful new beginning phase of my life and everything felt new and wonderful and different and um, new apartment, you know, new body, all of that. But toward the middle of our relationship is when like uh, I began sort of drinking too much. Um, I was at the beginning of an estrangement from my mother and then I had a brother and sister who are eight and 10 years older than me, and they both were diagnosed with terminal illnesses. My brother with uh, dementia, my sister with a cancer. And so, again, you know, my most important people in my life were dying. But I had to get up every day and take care of that little silly dog. So she did. She just kept me going. And she... She was very emotionally intuitive when I was down, you know, there was the little dog right next to me sort of staring at me and licking my face like she she knew when I was sad. Um, There was a time when they thought my mom might have dementia and um, and I was really devastated by the idea of that. And so I came home and I was in the habit of letting out the cat and dog to use uh, the bathroom and wander around. And so I let them both out and sat down on my stoop and was sort of crying. And I looked up and I didn't see Trix anywhere. And I thought, oh God, she's gotten away. And I, I started screaming for her. And then all of a sudden I realized that she was sitting right next to me. She'd never left me. And that dog would never not leave me. I mean, she would be so happy to run in the yard and get rid of me for a few minutes, but man, she knew and she did not budge toward the end of her life, I was in a relationship with someone who had two kids. And, um, um, so when that ended, you know, I was devastated. So I, I was estranged from my mother. I had just broken up with a boyfriend that was pretty significant because of the children. Um, both my siblings were, uh, one was still alive. One had just died. Um, and then she died and it was like, okay, universe, I am kind of tired. And I, I didn't know what to do with out her number one and number two, with all that love that I had given toward this being. And so I thought I need to give all of that, that I had for her to somebody else who needed it. And so I was on Facebook scrolling and I follow a bunch of, you know, um, rescues and this little face and body popped up. And I was like, Oh, 
that's a funny looking little dog and uh, clicked on his picture. And I was like, oh, I'll just see if I, I bet he's taken because he's so damn cute. And he was not. And the rescue was Southern Belle Chihuahua. This woman reached out that ran the rescue and said, would you like to meet him? And I was like, absolutely. Sounds great. And so, um, so I went and met him at a park and he was what I thought at the time was he's just a shy, you know, this is all discombobulating to him. He doesn't quite know what's going on, poor thing. And so he was just a little aloof, a little shy, but good Lord, he was the cutest thing I'd ever seen in my life. So, you know, I put him in my car and off we went. And um, yeah, that was a, that was a whole new kind of experience after having had, you know, the dog that walked in and licked my face like we were old pals to a dog who was literally scared of his own shadow and, you know, was leery and looked when I got him in the car, it almost felt like he looked at me and said, are we doing this again? You know, am I going somewhere else where I'm not going to be wanted? Am I going to be like, there was just something about him that said, I've been in transition a lot and I'm not sure I'm going to give myself over to anybody, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to sort of sit over here and look very sad. Um, you know, uh, broken people find broken people, if you will. And it's sort of like, you know, uh, I was looking for a, a broken dog because I was yeah. broken, you know? And so I was like, I'm going to figure this dog out by God, you know? So he was, he was perfect in the most imperfect, wonderful way. He was really terrified. Um, I found out that he was no joke, afraid of a piece of gla- uh, grass bending. Like he would run from bending, moving things, any sound, any movement at all freaked him out. And so I was freaked out because I'd never had a dog like that. Um, So when I got him home, he, you know, hunched and lurched around kind of trying to find his place. And um, that night, I just, I picked him up and put him on the bed and he had obviously also never been on a bed. He tried to figure out what this whole contraption was. and, um, And then he crawled up into my armpit and rolled on his back and that's where he stayed for eight straight hours and I I mean I literally just I have I have a picture of him just laying there and me being like holy crap this dog trusts me like I've never had anything trust me like this before and that from that minute on we were besties I always come around to the fact that I I adopt myself in two times in a row I've completely adopted myself (laughs) and and in like I have had anxiety since I was five years old I've been medicated for it my entire life and here I had compassion for this tiny creature who was terrified but I never gave myself that compassion I just beat myself up for being weak or why can't I be normal like everybody else but I loved him for being quote abnormal and Trixie you know she was a big old chubby thing who couldn't, you know, she couldn't even clean herself at times because of medication weight gains. But I never gave myself compassion when I had to have gastric bypass. I thought I was an awful human being who couldn't control herself. What was wrong with me? But I gave her all the love I couldn't give me, you know, so I've been fascinated by the fact that I've adopted me and have learned how to have compassion for me through these two little 
precious beings. So I quit drinking about a year after my sister died. And she was she was like my best friend, mother, you know, you name it, everything. And so I gave myself the right to drink as much as I wanted to for about a year after she died. And then it was like, now it's time to clean up. So Homer was with me through my isolating myself, not going out anymore, not going to, you know, bars and which meant I didn't get to hang out with my friends like I would have normally. Um, I was in a deep depression, you know, um, so he was my companion. He was my everything. He was what I came home to. He was what I got up for. He was who, you know, sat with me when I was miserable and um, was perfectly joyous in doing so he he, you know he loved it as much as I needed it so it was perfect I wanted to not die and the track I was on I was gonna die at some point way earlier than I should have um at the beginning of the pandemic I met a guy on match.com and um we were going back and forth and um we had a, a social distancing date and I decided to invite him back to my house um, or invited him to my house one time to porch sit out of doors. And um, uh, I'd had Homer for four years. He, 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 he's a difficult dog. He, in, in his fear. So, um, you know, he doesn't like people as a general rule. He likes me. Um, we were working on him liking people. He began to believe that people were treat dispensers because I would get every, every human being a treat and he, they would give it to him. So, you know, he was happy to approach people, but it was sort of like, well, you're a Pez dispenser. Give me my treat. And but you still can't touch me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean we were friends. <laughs> I just mean I want your food. Um, but we were working toward him being more, you know, accepting of humans. And so when I invited um this man, this strange man to my house, um, and we're port sitting. Homer immediately got on the couch with him and settled right up next to him on his leg. And it was like, my eyes almost fell out of my head. And it was like, okay, so this guy's a good guy has to be like through and through a decent human being for my dog to not even blink. He just decided that Dave was cool. So are you still with Dave? Dave and I are now married. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's because Homer told me he was okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we got married this year. After having Trixie and Homer, two animals that have, ch- I feel like they've almost changed my DNA. I mean, the thought of not having that kind of love it's not an option because i can't live without it that there is no life without that kind of love and companionship there just isn't it's not an option i come with animal attached period trixie she had some pretty severe separation anxiety. Um, so every morning when I would leave, I would hear her cry and it traumatized me. And so I decided one day to try giving her a bone, like a greenie kind of bone. So 
I, you know, I give her the bone. I frantically run out the front door and I get almost to my car and I hear the most vicious growling and barking and attacking sounds. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, like one of the cats got near her bone and she's like just ripping the cat, you know, into shreds. So I go running in and there she sits with her bone just like staring at me like, what are you doing here? And I was like, what the hell just happened? So I just shut the door and my door has glass panes. Well, as it turns out, um, her tail um, was moving. It was wagging and she thought her tail was coming for her bone. (laughs) So she started growling. I mean, I am not kidding you. She would just like look back at it and like, and then she'd chase it violently until I guess it appeased her and she felt it was no longer coming for her bone. And then she'd chew her bone. If Trixie could understand human English, what would you like to say to her? Um, It's what we touched on earlier is I would say to her, thank you for teaching me compassion for me, for being different. 